Episode 77, as I am told. 77. Tell me where to turn. We have a faulty run sheet, yet again. You know, you should just leave the same number on there, every every one of them, and we just, we'll just disregard it. Or at some point, we just stop counting episode numbers. It doesn't really matter. Uh, no. Not really. It's, it's good to know, though. It's impressive that... Well, I get impressive. It's surprising as we've mentioned before that it's gotten to this number that we've reached 77 yeah we didn't know if we would get to seven there for a while double figures was that was quite an achievement and now we're all we're about to triple shot this thing within the next (laughs) six months so so yeah um so you got all three of us uh dave is very old school on the phone tonight we can't even see his handsome face but uh you can reach me on Twitter at Glenn three underscore eleven, and you can find me at Tommy two underscore zero, and you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. And the show's Twitter is at Where to Turn Pod. I don't even know what Twitter is anymore. It's been so long for me. You really missed out on a lot of cool Rangers Nazi stuff this week. Yeah, the the, the CJ Nitkowski story was broken to me today. <laughs> I, I I was two days off off on that one. Uh, Dave, are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. But okay. that's because I don't care about baseball. <laughs> okay, well, I'm familiar with it, but I've only paid kind of ancillary attention to it. So he just liked at least a a tweet from a Twitter feed that I think is very alt right. I guess we'll put it that I think way. It's alt white, I believe. Either way, um, and whether he and okay, he, his problem is, I don't think is that he liked a certain tweet. Is that he's so he's such an arrogant human being that he didn't just come out and say, "Hey, you know what? My bad. I thought the picture was funny. I didn't really get the whole backstory, and maybe I'm not familiar with what's going on here because I'm not into all this stuff." I'll do better and won't happen again. Yeah. She just left it at that. Instead, he's got to fight everybody. No, and I think that's where he screwed up. But I, I also feel like your life has gone somewhere off course when, so in his case, John Blake. But when you have a spokesman for the company you work for saying he is 100% not a racist, that's never, <laughs> that's never <laughs> things yeah. are not, not going well if <laughs> somebody's making that comment about you. Yeah, that's a, that's a terrible way to start a sentence is, <laughs> 
I'm not a racist or anything. Uh, yeah, I'm 100% not a racist. I've r- never in my life had to even defend myself for being a racist because I'm so not a racist. It's the, the Ricky Bobby with all due respect. You just say anything at that point. Um, <laughs> what's the deal with anyone that has anything to do with the Rangers organization? If their name is CJ, they're just a complete asshat. <laughs> Why is that the case? Yeah, but the other CJ would have invented Twitter first before <laughs> you know, before getting fired for making poor judgment on Twitter. He would have driven his his race car so fast around the world, <laughs> made it spin Did backwards. Like a Superman and, two kind yeah. of a situation. Yeah, I can't remember the whole. So, the are whole you bit. familiar with this hand sign that the the girl was supposedly throwing in? Well, the, it's the it's the whole. Dumb game where you put the circle try to get somebody to look at it. I don't know what that is. Is that on Twitter too? No, I think that's been around forever. But the all that was done the, like junior high, high school. Yeah, that was like one of those things that a lot of people did, and I just never participated. So explain it. Explain it to me because I'm not doing a bit here. I have so the no whole thing. Idea. I don't even know exactly what it is. If you hold your hand like this or like this, maybe it's like that. This but is you, really beneficial for podcasting. Well, you're seeing it. <laughs> But then everyone else knows what this is except you, Tom. Yeah, I think so. I I really don't know what this is. And the whole point is to have like a normal conversation with somebody. This is how I remember it. Like a normal conversation with somebody, but then you're like holding this somewhere. And the point is to get somebody to look at it. And then when it gets their attention, they look at it like you get to hit them in the arm or something like that. Yeah, that's the way it is. So... If that was a thing when you were in high school 58 years ago... Oh, middle school, probably. Why Why is the U.S. gold medal winning hockey team throwing that down during the team photo? I don't know. And It's kind of a funny bit considering that. It's is not it a funny. racist gesture? Because clearly it means something else, too, but well, I don't understand that either. It, it became that because... Only white people did that joke? No, Only white people well, thought that was funny? Um, there's probably some truth in that, but I, whatever this Twitter feed or whatever, I don't know if it's just them or if it's like the alt-right in general have basically kind of co-opted this symbol to support their beliefs, their movement, etc. So was the hockey player in question intentionally doing that as a racist gesture? I don't believe so. So what's her defense then? Hey, I'm doing something that was kind of cool to do. Well, it probably doesn't. I mean, you don't even know what the symbol is or whatever. Like, I didn't know until two days ago that it had anything to do with white supremacy. Right, but the tweeted photo that he liked had a red circle drawn around her hand. But it so was it was from the, the Twitter feed that posted it. Correct. So the idea is they think it's funny because it's like racist. a racist thing. Correct. But so, he that's the tweet he liked. He didn't... Because the, if you read the stories, it says, oh, he liked a photo of the U.S. hockey team. Well, he liked a photo of the yeah. U.S. hockey team with a red circle drawn on it of a racist hand gesture by a racist Twitter account that he followed that he said he didn't know was a racist Twitter account. Did he follow it before or yes, after? he you? followed the account. He does not follow it now. He unfollowed it. But did he follow it after he liked it? Like he liked the picture and then followed, or he's been following? No, I think he had been following. That's the way I understood it. See. I don't feel like he I don't feel like he's got real solid ground to stand on here. 
No. We are, they already kicked one guy to the curb for a botched robbery. In fourth base? <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? What was that guy's name? Um, Dave. Dave Stone? No. no. Dave Roberts? No. No. Doug? No. Slippy? I was going to say Dave Strader, but I don't. Oh, man. No. Man. Uncalled for. Yeah, no, but that's the name that stuck in my head. That's not Ken Schrader. <laughs> I'll th- I'll think of it. Yeah, I'll think of it too. The henchman. But yeah, they, they got whatever him happened out to of there. why would Josh Lewin have liked a racist tweet? No, and he was the best broadcaster the Rangers have ever had. And I say that while trampling on the grave of Mark Holtz. Mm. That Josh Lewin was the best we ever had, and Nolan, in a power struggle, ran him out, and we haven't really been the same since. Well, I think that tells you a lot about Nolan. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'll just leave it at that. So, while you're looking up the name of fourth base. So, I'm about to Google botched robbery. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> oh, man, you think this is a red flag after the end of the episode? last week where I mentioned a book that I was reading and I just bring up my Google searches and what's the most recent search? Oh no. It says Eric Harris. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's That very, was not the announcer's name. No, that's uh, very troubling. So uh, this morning this I may have found love. Oh yeah? Yeah. How many minutes? Mazel tov. Are you, are you happy for me? We all deserve love. Dave Barnett. I knew it was Dave. I knew it was Dave. I googled botched robbery rangers. And it has the... <laughs> it has the, the YouTube clip. Does it have the transcript? 46 seconds. On air stroke. <laughs> I think we might just play this later. Just save that for later. All right. This okay, morning... You, f- you found love. Yeah, I did. So this morning I woke up and I went for a nice run. Yeah, I did good. Three miles. You time it? I always time it. <laughs> I mean the run. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Averaged uh, an 8.59 mile. That's not terrible, right? I mean, it's not It's not setting the world on fire. But it's pretty casual. It's moving. But, you but you know. Yeah, I would consider like 9.30, 9.45 casual. 8.59 is getting. But a morning run, you're not sprinting it out at the end. You're just. I, I sprinted it out at the very end. I wasn't sprinting it out the first mile. I was... Trying to, I think you need to pick up that pace. Try to find fourth Whoa. base. What are the odds of that? The Home Alone DVD cover is pulling. He's the making that circle. hand signal. So if I liked the cover of this DVD, I can't do color Depends commentary. If there's a red circle drawn around it or not. Oh, okay. I can, I can never work for the Rangers now. All right. Anyway, well, I got back from my run and uh, was uh, pulled up my email. And I had an email from DirecTV. It said, your bill is ready. And I clicked to see, and, and the bill was $65 more than it has been historically. Just a massive price increase. So I'm not going to let that stand. So I called the customer support line, 7 o'clock in the morning. But I'm very polite. I start talking to the young lady on the phone, and she's, she's particularly friendly for that early in the morning. And I'm sure I dialed the right number, so don't even... Don't even ask about that. What do you think they outsource? 
She said something about college co-eds when she answered, but I was she say, was... <laughs> DirecTV's number doesn't start with one nine hundred. So we we worked through, and I, I I said, hey, you know, my bill's gone up by sixty five dollars. Is there anything you can do? And she says, yeah, let me get my. Uh, it wasn't her manager, but it was somebody you know somebody in the customer retention department on the line or whatever. And she says, it's just going to take a minute. Do you mind holding? And I said, no. I said that's fine. So I thought I was on hold. Well, I, my son was eating breakfast, so I start talking to him, and she goes, "Oh, excuse me," and I said, "Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I was talking to my son." And she says, "Oh, how old is he?" And I said, "He's six. Well, what's his name?" So I told her his name, and she she said, "Oh, that's cute. Is he going to school this morning?" And I said, "Yeah." And it was kind of weird. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'll let you you know do whatever you need to do." And then my little daughter ran in, and she's making voice. Well, who's that? I said, "Well, that's my it's my daughter." Finally, I finally I said, "You know, hey, I I gotta gotta make." the kids breakfast so I'm just going to put you on hold for or you know not put you on hold I'm put my phone down for a minute she said oh, that's fine so I put the phone down and I put it on speakerphone so I've got my my uh, my iPhone sitting on the table on speakerphone and uh, we're all sitting down at the table to eat breakfast wife's there kids there she comes back on the line tell me if you've ever had a customer support service person say this to you uh, on a 1-800 number not a not a 1-900 number she came back on and she said Tommy I love you that was her next line. And my wife, boy, she perked up fast. <laughs> and she said, what did she just say? And I said, I think she said that she loved me. <laughs> <laughs> and my son was dying laughing and she said, you've been so great to be patient for 15 minutes, but I've got great news. We're going to be able to reduce your bill uh, down to $86 a month. And I said, I love you too. <laughs> did you really? $86 a month for wow. all the channels. That's a pretty good deal, right? But is that not the most bizarre thing to have, somebody, pretty, to have somebody fire that out? Pretty good. Yeah. Well, my wife's been very suspicious of my activity since then. Well, $86, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, some charge like 600 at a time. <laughs> wow. Yes. Per. Well, we're all happy for you, Tommy. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing great. So, uh, if I could interject here, a while back we uh, explored the topic of what's what's the end game of this I believe podcast. We, I believe we had an episode entitled "What's the End Game Here." We, we certainly did. did, and that was that was brought on by a a friend of one of our wives or multiple of our wives who became inadvertently podcast aware and couldn't understand why we were doing this and felt like the only reason we were doing this is that we had to have some kind of end game in mind that, that we were clearly trying to get jobs in radio to monetize the podcast, something we couldn't possibly just be doing this for fun. Boy, has that been proven false? <laughs> well, we're monetizing it just not for ourselves for <laughs> SoundCloud and <laughs> Microphones are us and all these other places that we've been spending money. We're spurring the economy. All right. Well, we, uh, yes, we came to the conclusion that we're basically just doing it for our own enjoyment. It's basically just but, a big J.O. that people get to listen to once a week. Exactly. I think we're doing it wrong. 
because there's another podcast that Tommy and I are are big fans of, and this guy has parlayed it into quite the end game. So yes, he has. The podcast in question is something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard. Hosted by Conrad Thompson. I don't believe, Glenn, you've ever listened to this. It's obviously wrestling-themed. Okay, yeah, never. They were the Sports Illustrated Podcast of the Year last year. They average over a million downloads a month. But that's not what perked up Point Break Dave. A few months ago, it was announced that Conrad Thompson who's just a generic guy who loves wrestling and started yeah, he, a couple he's podcasts. He's like the uh, Kevin Miller of Alabama. <laughs> he has yeah. family first mortgage and he's just a dude. He's like our age. He's in his mid thirties. Well, yeah, he's 36 he's two of the two thirds of our age. Indeed. And he just got an idea that he wanted to start a wrestling podcast. Basically. He does and it he just is, himself? Oh, no, he has another guy. No, he he went and drug up an old WWE behind the scenes guy, and he he interviews him about topics on their podcast. So like he, it's kind of like they call it a cross examination, but he like they pick a specific topic, like you know a wrestler or an event, and then he just asks him. He does, he knows about everything because he's watched like millions of hours of wrestling, and then he just asks this guy, well, what? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And then they discuss the the episode okay. or whatever the topic is. Yeah. It's really interesting. If you have any uh, interest in wrestling at all, it's, it's really, really good. But besides millions of downloads, and I'm sure they've parlayed it into a pretty good um, amount of money because they certainly have ads on it. This young man has parlayed it into a marriage. Not so much the woman he's marrying that caught my eye, but his father-in-law-to-be is Ric Flair. Woo. Woo. <laughs> so he's like marrying, how he's marrying awesome Charlotte? would that be? Oh. No, he, he's marrying the other... Um, no, the other one. Like the Cooper. T- the other the, one. The, <laughs> the Tiffany Trump of the Flair, Flair family. The Cooper Flair, yeah. <laughs> He is marrying Megan Flair. But, um, dude, how awesome would it be if Ric Flair was your father-in-law? Well, it'd probably be awesome for the next two to three years. And then <laughs> if, wouldn't, if the liver could hold that long. Yeah, wouldn't be, uh, you know, around anymore. Yeah. The gimmick of how, or the, the scenario where he met Ric Flair is fascinating, too. So this guy, seriously, he's like the Rodney Anderson slash Kevin Miller of Alabama. And he's got this this you know mortgage broker company, and he decides like because he you know he's always doing these like corny TV commercials, so he gets this idea of like well how much would it cost me to book Ric Flair to just come do like wear his robe and say you know get a great deal on your mortgage woo, so he calls, and you know Ric Flair's hard up for cash you know several years ago, so Ric Flair like flies down to Birmingham they become friends because of the commercial shoot then rick flair introduces him to this other guy that he does the podcast with he even did a podcast with rick for a little bit he meets his daughter and yeah now he's wearing the robe saying woo and we did miss out on a great opportunity especially with dave's ability and propensity for recording phone conversations 
where Flair had that one day, if you spent over, I think, I can't remember if it was $100 or $200. Oh, in his store? On rickflair.com. That he, oh, he, one of those socks, too. That he would call you. Because you put your phone in, obviously, with the yeah. order that he would, he would call you. He said he'll never do it again because he was on the phone for like five hours straight calling people. And I'm sure calling is, hey, thanks, woo, something. You know, it's probably like 30 seconds, but we missed oh, out. It'd be on worth it. A great opportunity. That that may have just been the open to every episode <laughs> moving forward after that. Just if you get for your thirty seconds, you're just like, please just just say, Yeah, tell me where to turn. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> the oh, nature goodness. boy. So Dave, how's your diet been in Austin? The diet in Austin has been good, but I'm gonna make a brief positioning statement of a restaurant I uh, went to recently, and I'm not sure how this is going to play out. KFC is an absolute trash restaurant. Whoa. KFC is terrible. No, no, ah. no, 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 no. KFC is a top fiver. You are insane. Wait, what did you get? Did you get just regular fried chicken? Here's what happened. I, uh... My home is in very cl- close proximity to a Whataburger, which was a big selling point in buying this house, honestly. And was running over there with the kids. Get to that Whataburger closed for renovations. Oh, no. Yeah. Next door to that Whataburger <laughs> is, a, is a KFC. So I was like, hey, you know, we're in a bit of a time crunch here. Here's a KFC... Not my first choice, but how bad can it be? So went over there. I got like the spicy chicken strips. The kids got, you know, some kind of little chicken something. We got sides. Literally everything. I tried their food. I tried my food. Everything was terrible. Boy, you guys are nuts. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. Why would you not go? I mean, off the top of my head, Popeye's. Chicken Express, Golden Chick. But you guys are talking in the Raising chicken, Canes. You guys are talking in the chicken strip genre, and I'm not going to fight you on that. I'm oh, talking okay. about for just classic bucket of fried chicken. KFC is the goat. Here's the take in that genre. I don't eat regular chicken. If it has bones in it, I'm out. I don't need to do that anymore. I'm not a caveman. <laughs> they have strips. But oh gosh, I, I KFC. You can get the you can get the bucket of chicken, the mashed potatoes with gravy, which is not something you get typically get at a lot of fast food restaurants. Golden chicken. The mashed can. potatoes there may have been the worst thing I tried. <laughs> Don't they give you a cookie? I didn't get a cookie. Well, they do. They give you one. They give you a chocolate chip. KFC's terrible. No, that's we might need to run down. We don't. We might. We might need to have a quick sidebar. So. And Dave, I know you, you're a Taco Bueno fan, right? Yeah. I thought we were all docked on that. We are, but I went there two nights ago and they've changed the queso and it's terrible. Oh no, they Chipotle'd it? Yeah, they did. They Chipotle'd the queso. Have you been there since they changed it, Dave? I I haven't, but Chipotle's queso is the worst thing I've ever had. No, I, I... I can't believe you would ruin something so good, but the uh, the Mexi dips and chips is a go-to move for me at Taco Bueno. Picked one up on the way home late last night. I was out um, doing some very seedy business late at night, and they've they've <laughs> changed the queso. It's a different color. 
it, it's got a whole different flavor going on to it, much more akin to the Chipotle. I was I was devastated. Did you throw it back through the window, Adam? Oh no, no, I still ate it all, but <laughs> no, I may be I may be out on on Bueno because the the two go to moves for me there both involve the queso, which is the nachos and the um, the Mexi dips and chips. <laughs> The go-to moves for you are the uh, Mexi dip and chips and then the toilet. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. That's like a uh, that's like a guarantee. <laughs> it's like death and taxes. <laughs> but no, I mean if we were gonna if we were gonna quickly recap, I mean I think we all agree we it's what Whataburger, Jack in the Box. I mean if you're gonna m- the Mount Rushmore of fast food restaurants, Whataburger, mm. Jack in the Box. Wendy's, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, see, I'm mixed on Wendy's. Wendy's, but I get the same thing every time. So it's great, but I'm only going there for one of the combos. I don't really eat the square patty burger there. You get the chicken, spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah, the spicy chicken's good. The burgers aren't bad. They've Not kind terrible. of messed the, they've kind of messed the fries up there too. Honestly, yeah, they did. Well, let's but, put it this way: I won't eat. KFC, I won't eat McDonald's. I certainly won't eat Burger King. Yeah, Burger King, never. I, I will enjoy a Big Mac from time to time. My wife told me they had to change it officially from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC because the chickens, they like breed some kind of genetically altered chicken that doesn't have a head. So it's not, it's not like a living... <laughs> If you're, if, is that if real? This is the this same guy who reads uh, Waco conspiracy sites is gonna is gonna sit here and tell us that. I'm gonna look up no headed chicken. Well, chicken <laughs> without a head is the uh, episode title, so at least we've got that squared away. Uh, Dave, did you have anything else about fast food? Um, no, no, that was pretty much it. But I will tell you this because we uh, we talked about your most recent web page you had open on your phone yes. um i was writing a note and didn't get to interject this but so uh a couple of days ago i was at i was at church talking okay. to some people pulled up the uh phone to look something up we were talking about <laughs> and the open tab was videos of the real david crash playing oh, guitar right. and singing <laughs> there you go I said hey you know we might need to broaden our horizons. This guy had a lot of interesting things to say. <laughs> but yeah, and that kind of cracked me up. The guy was looking at me, he's like, is that David Koresh? I was like, <laughs> sure is. You just said clear eyes, full hearts. That's right. <laughs> hey, you know who would love to see and be able to go into an open Whataburger? Dave Strader. <laughs> Still- Gary. The Branch Davidians would like to. Oh, yeah. So let's sure talk uh, Waco episode five, which was, uh, as we've been doing for the last, it was entitled, uh, like our last 26 and a half minutes, Stalling for Time. <laughs> but he wasn't really stalling for time. He was just waiting for a word from God. Well, that's what we, yeah, is what he's been doing for five weeks. But, I mean, that's not stalling. He's just waiting for, he's just waiting for the word from on high. That's all. I think it was titled that for the negotiators were trying to stall. So we, well. Wait, Stalling for Time was the name of his book, Gary's book. Ah, that's right. 
This is very Gary intense. A very Gary intensive episode too. Yes, he has a lot of ticks. Gary facial ticks, not like the ones that give you Lyme disease, <laughs> but like he kind of moves and and I don't know if that's Gary or if that's Michael Shannon the actor because he's kind of a weird dude. Yeah, but I haven't seen enough of his work to know whether. But he might have he might have been on YouTube and Googled videos of Gary, and seen that the real Gary had ticks and he just is method acting. <clears throat> Very possible. You okay? I'm choking. <coughs> would you would you like a uh, would you like a sip of my drink here? <laughs> no, I can't believe you and haven't said anything about this. I've been drinking it the whole time, and you haven't said one word about it. I've just been been trying to respect your life choices. It's called a screwdriver. That's it's tropical. It has vitamin C. <coughs> well, it's got a C in it somewhere. <laughs> What I liked the most about this episode is that it started by saying day nine, and my wife was immediately like, see, I told you they were going to show every day. But they're going to have to cram a lot of days in the next episode. I was like, episode. they're not going to show every day. No, uh, did it show what day we got to? Because I felt like we well, progressed quite a bit. I've got a whole, I've got a whole um, comedy set about continuity between days nine and 12, if you'd like. I don't know. Proceed. <laughs> The show immediately starts by saying day nine. And that was the next day after the uh, milk exchange took place. And they cut the power. They cut the power on day nine. And continuity issue one is the milk immediately went bad. And I'm not talking about like, (laughs) oh, it's warm. We shouldn't drink it. Like it was like chunky. They're dumping it down the sink. And milk doesn't go bad in, in two or three hours of being out of the fridge to that extent. No. It wasn't out in the sun. Yeah. So, yeah, huge issue there. But it's also Waco. For all we know, it could be like 130 degrees out (laughs) there. Yeah, in February. They referenced uh, early on, too, I think when they were discussing cutting the power, they said, we don't want this to be another Jonestown. I wasn't sure what Jonestown was. Wow. That, Are you serious? Is that Jim Jones? Yeah, that's okay. that's ours. We we could we could do Well no, I wanted to check with you. So so Jonestown was the Jim Jones Kool-Aid. Yeah, it was the flavor aid, but it was the compound in Guyana that they okay. built in we out in the middle of the jungle. An, we may have to find something, watch it and do an episode about it at some oh. point. I but might I, I might know a guy we want might want to invite on. I think he might know some stuff. Is his last name Jones? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't seen his birth certificate. And then, then the other, the other interesting thing I thought that was happening on day nine is is when they were in there pouring out the milk. Tibbs was still trying to make sexual moves nine days in with the power out on that poor girl that he's married. There's to. a lot of that. <sighs> yeah. So I'm just I'm just wondering like. Tibbs has obviously proven not to be a very smart character in the show. One, that he just joined the compound. Two, that he didn't leave immediately when he saw what was going on. But now we're nine days into the standoff. He's buried bodies. He's been out there, and he's still thinking about doing it with that girl to the point that he's trying to make moves. I don't I don't understand that at all. What else does he have to think about? <laughs> well, that, yeah, that gets back to Dave's point of what are they doing all day? Got to pass the time somehow. Well, I know. I mean, I think that's where that comes from but also i i made a note as well from the fbi standpoint yeah we see you know they have a handful of uh 
phone exchanges and they're watching the lawnmower man and things like that. But in a given 17, 18 hours that the Davidians are up and at them, what are they doing? I mean, you think in that amount of time, there's more than 10 or 15 minutes of actual discussion and action. They're just sitting around too. Maybe they're just planning out the playlist for their next set. I don't know. No, they're, Got cabin fever, cabin fever. They they wake up one day and it's a blizzard, and then the next day they're out getting a tan, yeah. moon, mooning the kids. They they don't they're, they're going. It's driven them insane. So the first note I had, and I'm I think I went chronologically with the episode was they send in the tape showing the kids. Was that where you guys started? You guys have something before that. Well, they cut the power before that, and then they, um, you know, Gary talks them into turning the power back on, and I did have a note right before that, which is right before the tape, which is when the power comes back on, David, like, immediately is like, hey, let's turn on the TV. So they, (laughs) you know, all their milk's gone bad, all their food is, you know, supposedly probably gone bad. The power comes back on, and David's like, oh, man, let's get that TV turned on. To be honest, that's what I would do. If the if the compound would have already been on fire, yeah. I would have said, let's just at least see what's on like the ESPN scroll. Let's, yeah, let's check out, make sure we, we get out of here. But no, Dave, to your to your uh comment about the tape, did I had the note that it seemed like there was way too many kids on that playground compared to what they showed being let go. Did you guys feel that way? Yeah, I, th- I thought the same thing. Because I thought they only um, walked out four people, and there was about there, seven or eight kids in that more. playground. Because uh, I, I think for the people that he let go or kicked out, there was about 20 total. So probably like about half and half, probably like 10 or 12 adults and maybe seven or eight kids. Okay. So I think that was accurate. And they did take that video and they sent it to him. Now, during the show, they're watching the kids play. And Gary, who I'm sure has had a lot of experience with this, kids that are abducted, held against their will, living in an unsafe environment, they probably have certain behavioral tendencies and things like that. And he's watching them play, and he's like, these don't look like kids that have been abused. Yeah, they're just hanging out. Any, they're having any a good fear. time. Yeah. Their parents probably told them, hey, you're going to go, and you're going to hang out with these people for a while, and everything will be okay. And they were like, all right. Yeah. Hey, at least they have milk. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't we? But this got to the first uh, the first thing that I had uh, I got enjoyment out of. So they send in the tape, and one of the mothers notices that her little boy is in there. But I guess the two older siblings were from another marriage from. A father that's not part of the compound, is that correct? Right, a father that didn't take on the burden of sex. So they sent the two older boys, I think it was two boys, with him. So she sees that the the youngest, her youngest son is now alone. Well, he's not alone, but his siblings are there. He's with the strangers of the, you know, whoever's taking care of the kids that got released. And she's not happy about it. So she calls... And she gets um, Gary's understudy, the mustached junior <laughs> The mustached guy who's, for a ju- guy whose job is to be on the phone is so unsteady whenever he's on the phone, like eyes darting around everywhere, not sure what to do. Yeah. He's very jittery. That, yeah. That's and can what anybody I love the just most. pick up the phone? 
you know, they've got this hot phone to the FBI, and this lady just runs and grabs it, and like, so anybody can just chat with Gary whenever they want. Apparently, if you're if you're worked up and I feel like Steve's willing, gonna be running a tighter ship than that. I agree, but the thing I loved about it because, as you said, the junior negotiator seemed very unsure of himself. So Gary's writing notes, and you know he's talking to the mom, and she's upset, saying that you promised they'd all stay together. So Gary gets the great idea of, hey, and he writes on a piece of paper, needs a hug, which is clearly indicating that Gary tell wants a the hug. mom. Well, tell the mom that she needs to come out and give her son a hug. But I was so hoping the junior negotiator was going to misinterpret it and tell the, tell the mom, if you come out here, I will give you a lengthy hug. Yes. With a lot of hips. And, and just see, because he was so bad at his job, I was really hoping he was going to mess that up, but he didn't. <laughs> Gary would just be shaking his head as flat top man looked on disapprovingly. <laughs> the flat top guy always has the exact same look on his face no matter what. Now, he's kind of in a beaten down situation, but... Yeah, a little bit. He never he never breaks character whatsoever. He's never had a happy moment on this show. And so, the, the helicopter's still circling, by the way. We did get a shot of it. Yes. Because they're trying to kind of drive him insane. So that that lady's name um, was Kathy. I wrote that down. That's and, right. Kathy. And when she's getting done with her call, David does come in, and they're kind of starting to have this argument about she wants to leave, and you know, he's unsure if he wants her to go. And then it 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 cuts away, and it goes to a, a scene at a hotel with. Um, Tibbs' mom and David's mom. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. Well, then, after that scene's over, it says day 12. So it was day 9, and now it says day 12. Well, then it goes back to the compound, and Kathy and David are still having the same argument that they were having three days ago, now on day 12, <laughs> that they were having on day 9. <laughs> and I don't think that the weather was totally different, too. It's a so tough thing. He And she... Is talking to David about the situation with her kid. She didn't leave though, because he basically guilts her into about even thinking about leaving. But she didn't leave. She stayed, right? No, no, she left because he kicked her out with the crazy oh, beard yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, okay. Who was pretty much their number one sniper in the shootout. He was but, the number one cop. But apparently, the number one non-cop. Yeah, he got narked out for drinking yeah, because there was right. that bottle of whiskey in the fridge. And he gets sent so, packing with her, which I would was, I would put up with a little drinking for that guy's uh, gun yeah, skills. Whiskey in the fridge? Am uh, I missing yeah, something? in the walk-in fridge. There was some. There was there was a bottle in there that um one the David's wife that Dave thinks is hot. Uh, yeah, she is. <laughs> she found that when she was in the fridge at some point. She Did just kind of pulled it out and kind of looked at it, and you were wondering like, well, is she drinking it or what? But. Oh, I well, it was that. right after he walked out. But here's yeah, the question. Beard Man was drinking it. Where does Beard Man, like, why, where did the bottle of Knob Creek come from? And secondly, why, it's whiskey. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. That Couldn't was my he, like, question. hide it in his room? Yeah, in fact, it's probably better not refrigerated. You yeah. know, he should have done, 
I'm sure they have a ton of Bibles. You could have done the <laughs> cut out the shape of the Knob Creek bottle in the Bible and just done the Bible flask. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been appropriate for the situation. Could have gotten away with that. Uh, that's one thing they're really not hitting on is the people that are getting kicked out or coming out. I mean, a lot, if not all of them, were detained, I believe, and yeah. did some jail time. Like On the news broadcast, there was the kind of, it was a throwaway line, but it was like, all cult members have been arrested Okay, that, that uh, came out of the... Because uh, Beard combat. Man's going to stand out. You know, for the people that went in there that survived, they're going to say, yeah, that's the guy who shot Tom and Dale... In fact, if I'm if I'm coming out at a later time and I get detained, I'm gonna probably roll big time on that guy and say, "Yeah, I didn't have have a gun." Yeah, he shot everybody. Beard man doesn't think he may have been like, "Hey, can I have like ten minutes to shave my beard?" <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a he's a little bit identifiable there. Yeah, they're a saying bit. like, "Well, who's the guy that was shooting everybody?" Oh, the guy with the huge beard. That's who it was. I forgot. Thanks for keeping that. We didn't take any pics while we were in there. <laughs> we also didn't arrest anyone. Well, quickly going back to the uh, the interaction between Tibbs' mom and uh, and David's mom at the hotel, I have two continuity issues with that. Well, one is Tibbs' mom is standing at the door and it's pouring rain, like it's raining on her head while she's standing at the door. But if you look beyond her in the background, it's clearly like the sunniest day of all time. <laughs> and they're just dumping, you know, water down onto the set to make it look like it was raining, but they, they didn't do any kind of um, color correction on the sky behind them. It's the Paramount Network, man. It's not HBO. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other issue, and this is one that they could have corrected because this wouldn't have cost them any money, I don't think. Maybe a little bit extra in makeup. Th- how old do we think Koresh is? Well, I mean, I know how old he is, but... Oh, how old is he? Uh, take a guess. What would be, for what he proclaims, what's the perfect age for him to be? 33? Bingo. Oh, my gosh. So, David's mom, as she's having this bonding moment with Tib, says, yeah, I had David when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So, that would make her 49 Yeah, right now. She looks like she's 70. She looks terrible. She's an yeah, old woman. Yeah, she does. She's not 49 years old. That offense. Not looking good. Could have probably done a little something with the makeup. Yeah, you're on to something there. So after the uh, crazy beard man um, is arrested, and, and believe me, if you're a Friday Night Lights fan like I am, there's a lot of irony in Tim Riggins kicking somebody out for drinking. <laughs> this is a guy who drank in every scene of every season, including in the locker room, including on the field. And now you have a nip of Jack Daniels after you've killed three guys, and he's like, nope, sorry, you've you got to leave the cop out. You you've can't got to here. separate this from real life. But we, uh, we cut back outside, and then, then uh, not to be outdone by the crazy helicopter flying around, now we have the crazy tank driving around and just running over everything, including the grave. It's, yeah. all, it's all just to mess with their minds. But did that happen, though? Was there a tank just running yeah. roughshod over, all over the place, yeah. running over crap? They, that happened. They may have had more than one. I, well, I, they definitely had more than they one. Were they doing like a chain, a chain race situation? Yeah. <laughs> a figure eight? <laughs> exactly. Did y'all notice that uh, the fake Norm was still doing his Normathon? He was. <laughs> we had some more shots of just 
at various a, times of the day. At another, yeah, at another awkward time of the day. They just run that show 24-7. And you know, uh, that, guy, that guy originally, you know, when they standoff first started and they thought it'd, you know, be over in six hours, he's like, you stay with me. I'm going as long as this thing goes. <laughs> It's your show, folks. We're taking calls. We're Donnie Nelson's going to be here in a few minutes. <laughs> um, one note that I had. To say the FBI is not on the same page would be about the most <laughs> drastic understatement that you could ever make. <laughs> like, they have, like, at least three people in or pseudo in charge and they all have completely separate divergent plans. Gary had a very different page. Oh, there's no doubt. But it didn't work. Well, that work. head guy is just wasting Gary's time. The guy that With can't that, say Koresh correctly that always says Koresh. Right. I hate that guy. Yeah, he just he's got a very punchable face. Yes, he's a very very aggravating character. He's a Looks like very much, how did you possibly get this job <laughs> type of look to him. Did you guys notice when the tank was out driving around crazy that the Asian sniper's still on the case? That guy hasn't moved in 12 days. He's still in the exact same spot, ready ready to drop anything that he, anything that moves once he gets the okay well, in his headset. Who walked out there? Was that this episode? Not when Tim's... That was when Beardman surrendered. They had a quick shot of Asian Sniper. And eventually he says, just give me the go-ahead. And he's just ready to drop him if it needed. Like the doorknob has only turned <laughs> like half a half a turn. He's already cocked and ready. He's locked, <laughs> locked and loaded. Oh, goodness. So do, so you do think we need to get situation... into what... All right, one of you go first. Go ahead, Dave. Dave, go first. Do we need to get into uh, the new tactic to make it uncomfortable for him? The the noises and stuff? Yeah. That's pretty creepy, man. What all did they play in the episode? Because I know there was two things they played in real life, I think, most often, but I don't know if they displayed either one of those in this. It sounded like they were playing Jurassic Park. It was like just crazy screeches and... But it also sounded like a lot of like horror movie, like chainsaws and people screaming and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then they had the, these crazy lights bouncing around all over the place. So, which Gary had the greatest quote of that when he was talking to the the head guy that okayed it. He was like, "So we're going to take a guy that we're pretty sure is unstable and attempt to drive him crazy <laughs> in hopes he suddenly becomes more reasonable." <laughs> That's a good point. So they they played um, sounds of rabbits being slaughtered, which sounds a whole lot like if if you've ever heard, I think, a pig being slaughtered. I haven't. This is how I wake up every morning. But it sounds (laughs) like uh, similar to like a human or like a child screaming. It has kind of the same similar type sound. And it's very high-pitched shriek. So, yeah, soothing. Uh, so they played that, and they played, I'm trying to think who sings it, but the song, These Boots Are Made For Walking. You've ever you heard that, right? Yeah. You're familiar with that. It's mm-hmm. not like the circle sign symbol. No. I, I think they thing. played that like over and over and over and over to to drive them into sanity. To drive them into walking? <laughs> yeah, to walk out. Yeah. They're trying to brainwash Just, them. It's like, it's like the opposite of subliminal. 
Exactly. Would it have uh, kind of been funny if the first night, you know, Gary's arguing and they finally turn on the lights and the music and like 12 seconds later, everyone walks out? I don't think Gary would have been writing his book, Stalling for Time. (laughs) They never tried reverse psychology. They never called and said, do not ever come out of there. (laughs) What we want you to do is stay in there. (laughs) Do not walk out. It's too, it's too, too early to give up now. Yeah. While that was going on, Tibbs was inside giving the uh, the daughter of the woman that he wants to have relations with a drum lesson. Is there any more cheap ploy in the history of men trying to get it than really all of a sudden having these bonding moments with the kid that's not theirs to just show the woman that hey, I'm here for the long haul. I want to I want to form a relationship with your child. So that I can practice putting another one inside of you. <laughs> Getting the homemade birthday present during a standoff with the FBI. That was a nice touch for the little Dib- kid. Dibs is a renaissance man. He's, yeah. he's got a little, he's digging graves in record time, making birthday presents, teaching drums. Hey, he's going to survive. Spoiler. He alert. also, Tibbs asked to uh, leave. The compound with the girl and the daughter. And that didn't oh. go particularly well. It did not. The uh, everyone's free to leave at any time. Uh, not really uh, in play as much as he says. So did they also cut the water off to the compound? Because they showed Tibbs collecting rainwater around this time. Or was he just doing that because it just seemed like a cool thing to do as he's trying to impress his lady? No, I think they... I think they did. I think they did at some point. I mean, in this episode, do we know where we left off day-wise? I feel like this episode covered... They didn't specify as much, but I feel like this covered a long... I think we're going to be within a week of fire by the time episode six starts. Well, episode six is it. So if, well, I know. If they if they don't get into fire pretty quick, then they did it wrong. So I had another note here that happened about the same time as the Tibbs drum lesson. So the, I guess the the power, was it still out? Yeah, I think it was still out. And the the lawyer guy, the black dude, has been working on the generator, right? This tiny little generator. Yeah, and Steve walks in. And he's got, it's all apart. It's not running. There's tools everywhere. And Steve walks in. It's like, hey, so did you get the generator working? <laughs> it's like, no. I think Steve is clearly trolling him at that point. Steve didn't have a whole lot going on. Oh, man. He's clearly you know, not guarding the phone. From so. a positive note. I also, I remember this. He walks in. The guy's, exactly. It's, there's tools everywhere. If it was working, why wouldn't the guy be running it? <laughs> exactly. Why would you fix something? He's trying to take it apart again. <laughs> and then just stand there and look at it. But then Steve kind of walks over there, and then he, he does what I do when like somebody's trying to fix something or whatever. He kind of sits down, gets on the floor, and he's like, yeah, let me take a look at this thing. It does the most generic kind of just lifts the handle and maybe flips a button. He knows he's not going to do anything. Like... Man, I don't know. You're right. I don't. We can't figure this out. <laughs> you think you you wanted to call Steve's bluff there and say, "Okay, pal." That's where you're just playing the 
you do that and the other guy goes hey man don't worry about it i, I can take care of it and you're like all right well <laughs> hey if you need any help i'll be i'll be in here whenever they get the tv working again <laughs> so we eventually do get the generator working though we do in in, in between the 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 generator repair scene tibbs makes a video to send out to his mom and it feels very isis because he's standing in front of this flag and he's like hey i really want to be here everything's okay it just it was like it was like the precursor to isis videos i almost wonder if like some young isis recruits are watching that video back in the 90s and like hey like this guy's style, this Tibbs standing in front of this flag. Like we need to, we need to emulate this one day. Anyone do a lot of Google image searching of Branch Davidian flags, like I did after that? Well, I was going to ask because I have no idea that is their flag. Yeah, it's kind of unclear because if you look it up, there's a different flag that shows up, which kind of has the six-sided star i guess the star of david yeah but it has like a lion in the middle of it and then but the one they keep showing in the the one they keep showing in the show is i thought it was the same thing but instead of calling it a six-sided star with a snake they call it a snake with six wings is that a revelation thing well then they have like if you notice because it's kind of like blue but it has a diagonal line and then it's white underneath on that line there's seven red seals so that's the seven seals they incorporated that into the flag but you can definitely buy them people have recreated that flag online if you want one not the worst idea (laughs) that payoff can uh, can we get one by wwe raw oh no just have it draped over yourself like you just won the Olympics for the break. Can you like Davidians. customize it even further and like under the seven seals just write, woo! <laughs> Bet payoff. Whoever loses has to attend Raw with the Branch Davidian flag draped around them. Can you imagine? So they oh, finally wow. got that generator running. And my first thought is, well, don't run it inside the compound. You're going <laughs> to all die of carbon monoxide. Isn't it? It's like, I understand one thing, like, yeah, I want to work on it inside, because if I work on it outside, I'm going to get shot by the tank. Or the Asian. <laughs> or, yeah, or the Asian. That's yeah. great. Oh, uh, he would just shoot your wife. In the hand. Just kind of winger. Well. Just clipper. Or, or are you talking about the one that got the head shot? No, I'm talking about the one he killed at Ruby Ridge. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. But they get it running... And, you know, once you confirm it's running, you turn it off and then you, you place it somewhere that's well ventilated. But instead, they decided to have like a full celebration scene while it's running. Steve was involved in that. <laughs> and then I'm thinking to myself, what are they going to do with this generator? Is he gonna, are they going to power the fridge? You know, are they going to try to get the, you know, I don't know if they had AC or heat. You know, it was February, so it's probably really hot outside. Um. Well, what are they going to do with this tiny little generator? One guy had an idea. One guy well, did. Well, first... And he said, follow me. Kresh asked, how long do we have? And the lawyer dude, who should probably be on a NASCAR team, <laughs> looks at this generator he just fixed and like perfectly estimates, we got 10 minutes, David. <laughs> 
Trust me, I know. I've taken it apart four times, three times unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually fixed this thing. How long have we been here? 37 days? I fixed it one time every day since we've been here. So, yeah, we have exactly 10 minutes of generator power. So what would you do if you had 10 minutes of generator power? Hook it up to the TV. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we already covered that. You've got tanks out front of your compound. You've got the Asian sniper bearing down on you. Gary's on the phone. You've got 10 minutes of power left. What are you going to do? Still trying to talk them out. So we've gone from... Gary's still stalling for time. Stalling for time, but we went... FBI had several different strategies within this episode. They crush all their stuff with tanks, but they give them their power back. They're nice to them, but they're playing rabbits getting mutilated all night with strobe lights. Still going. disturbed after you said that. I mean, they're just they're just everywhere in their tactics. But obviously, at this point, they're still playing the throwing some noise at the compound. But Koresh comes up with an idea to combat that. What do you think about that? There's no way that really happened, right? I don't think it happened in the way that they portrayed it. He, from what I've read, they did hook up. I don't know if they kept it in the main, what their sanctuary is, where they have all the marshal stacks. Where all the stacks are. And I mean, half the windows and walls are kind of shot out anyway. You could probably turn it up to 11 and get the noise outside. So you got to turn it up loud enough to overcome the noise of the generator. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I don't know if they projected it from there. Or if they did it the way it was portrayed up in one of the upstairs dorm windows as just as, as a as he's the solo shot. Yeah, as Koresh is like reenacting a Bon Jovi video from nineteen eighty six. How great was that scene though? What was that song? <laughs> I don't know. I, I it imagine It seems like he was freestyling it, but I don't know. I feel like uh, Everyone's going to get to hear it here in about five minutes, but I can't remember. It was something that, whether they made it up for the show or he, you know, it was it was written by Vernon Howell, known, also known as David Koresh. I think it was uh, one of his works. But here's another question. They had to do it for the show, but he's playing this. It seemed like once they could hear the music and they're like, what is that? They immediately put the spotlight on him, like he's Which just walked so out on stage. And that just that just <laughs> makes him makes him sell it even more with the with the guitar moves, as he's now on center stage, at least until the generator runs out of gas. Tibbs is playing drums. Well, yeah, but that's that's how they met originally. Tibbs was Tibbs was the uh, on call percussionist when he needed him. Did they have anybody playing bass? No, I, I mean, they had so. other people, but I'm trying to remember who else was in the band. But they had other people playing. This wasn't just a Tibbs, and they they weren't doing a two-piece thing here. Yeah, he may have been stripped down, back working on the generator. <laughs> <laughs> but you know... <laughs> Making sure it'd stay running. And of course, I mean, this is by far the best uh, end of an episode they've had. But you kind of wonder, like, yeah, that was that was cool. So when he ends the song and the generator goes out, do they just kind of look at each other and like, yeah, all right, we're still stuck in here with no power and a bunch of guns aimed at us. <laughs> it's like, so did we win? Did yeah. we just win? 
Yeah, the FBI just starts to load the stuff up in the trailer. <laughs> like, well, we're done. Can't top that. So I think uh, the uh, where they're... Yeah, we talked about last week or the week before kind of viewership and ratings, which I I don't care if we are it's the been great. If we're the only three people watching this, that's fine with me. Why don't you know? Well, and the six people that listen, right? Um, but from a critical standpoint, I feel like it's gotten a lot of good reviews. But whether it's like a TV critic or just generic person, I feel like the main criticism I've seen has been they've made the Branch Davidians a little too human right, and a too little sympathetic. too sympathetic. I agree. We need a little, I mean, a little bit, yes, because they are human and they have children in there that are innocent, but maybe a little too much. Right, and we just don't want to lose fact to the site that this guy was nuts and doing a lot of really bad things with young underage girls. But they somehow have managed to almost make that out to be uh, sweet in a way in the show. Well, it's because it's Riggins, but... Well. <laughs> So, so one ahead, quick uh, one quick cleanup uh, when Steve finds the phone. Oh, the it, cell phone! It was, oh, yeah. it, was it a cell phone or was it just a remote phone? It had to be a cell phone because it's 1993. Yeah, because he That's said something I'm about wondering. the battery going going dead. Well, I mean, it's a, if it's a but wireless that hadn't phones, been charged. Yeah, but, it, my, but they would have to have power somewhere for it to work, though, right? Yeah, my question was if it was like the remote phones we had back pre-cell phone, it has to be near a base somewhere. And he kind of like found it in like a drawer of junk. Like, oh, wow, like here's a phone. I was thinking that was just a really old school cell phone. But maybe 93 was too early for that. I think you'd have to have the bag phone. You ever seen those? Hmm, so has Dave uncovered more continuity problems? Mm. Because if they aspect. did, if it was one of those wireless phones, I'm trying to remember. So, so the phone line has its own power, so the, it would work if the power was off. But the base that would that would close communicate to it. would have to be plugged in, though I believe. Yeah, right? and it'd have to probably be in that room too. Interesting. Did uh, Tommy? We talked a couple days ago, and I told you there was a big uh, article about the raid itself on Dallas News. Did you happen to read that? No. So there's a few things. From that, we're kind of going backwards, obviously, here. But it was uh, written very much from people the with the ATF that were interviewed now. I mean, the day we're going to release this tomorrow, if all goes well, and it'll be on the 25th anniversary of the raid. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So it will be. So that's why this article was coming out. But... Um, so it was agents from the ATF, and they were talking about how very much looking after the fact that they shouldn't have gone. The element of surprise was the whole thing, and they had lost that for several reasons that we've already you know, laid out here. Their whole plan was they had been watching them enough that they, they had some inside information that at a certain time of the day, I believe it was 10 in the morning, all the men seemed to gather in a certain part, in or out of the compound, to kind of like a daily chore type of thing. And the women <laughs> the and children... Daily, the daily viewing of Lawnmower Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. While, probably while Koresh was inside with all the women. <laughs> no pun intended. Wait. Okay, yeah. we're after, I want to read the transcript of the show later. So 
their their idea was if we show up with the element of surprise at the certain time, we can corral all whether Koresh is included or not. Obviously, they're after him, but they can separate all the men from everyone else. They get them. It's going to be a lot easier to deal with everybody else. So anyway, that was their plan. But a couple things I pulled from the article. One, I don't know how we get these numbers exactly. They just go around counting shell casings and stuff. But it said on the day of the siege, the ATF fired a thousand rounds of ammunition at the compound. Wow. The Branch Davidians, anybody want to take a guess as to the the number of rounds that they fired at the ATF? It's got to be really low, I bet, like 15. Dave, you want to take a guess? I'll say 70. 70 rounds total? Are you sure? Yeah. Now, unless I had a stroke, much like Dave Barnett, as I read this article, (laughs) I read it that they fired... 11,000 rounds <laughs> of ammunition at the ATF. Oh, my God. And one of the agents that was interviewed talked about how, okay, so the Branch Davidian story when it started is kind of what it was on the show, going back to the being maybe too sympathetic or whatever. Koresh walks out, says, there's women and children in here. It's <laughs> pretty and, good voice. And then it starts, 840. Um, <laughs> and then it starts... The ATF, their version is that they were pulling up. He came out on the porch, walked out the door, just glared at them. And as they're getting out of those trailers, he just turned around and just yelled that the police are here and shut the door. And then the gunfight was on. And that there was one guy who I think he had been shot in the leg and he had, and like it shattered whether his knee or like the bottom part of his leg, like the bottom leg bone, whatever it's called, tibia, fibula, one of them. Couldn't really work. I mean, couldn't really move. So he crawled underneath one of those trailers just to get out of the way. But he could see up in the the upper level of the compound there was a kid with like a twenty two who could who could see him was just firing repeatedly at him, trying to pick him <laughs> off under the trailer. So he's wow. out of the main f- line of fire, and there's just a kid with a twenty two just trying to get him. <laughs> So I don't know if that number is completely accurate. I don't know how we... That definitely changes the nature of that first day because it, it sure looked like on the show it was all if that's accurate. one-sided. If that's accurate. I don't know that it is. It it also talked a little more about uh, the press and how they, you know, they gave it away and that there were several media outlets, reporters or cameramen or both on the site. And it had a picture of, I think this was right after the gunfire had ceased, but if somebody took a picture, there was like six of these media members all laying down, face down in a ditch, high, and, you know, trying to stay out of the, not get shot, essentially. So they were that close. And there was ATF guys that said, yeah, they're in the middle of this whole thing, and like they turn around to reposition, and there's a guy like with a camera. Just hanging out. Just hanging out. <laughs> they're telling reporters to, yeah, to well, get out of there. Wouldn't have had to ask me twice. Yeah. So that's so what happens when you call it Project Showtime. Operation Showtime. Operation Showtime, that's right. Yeah. And uh, they they talked about, it referenced how they got tipped off by, I can't remember if it was actually a mailman or not, because that's how they portrayed it on the show. 
Right. A mailman that was also a member. Yeah, it was a postal worker. That might have been the case. Because the other thing was how the ATF got tipped off to them was way in advance. It wasn't just a few weeks beforehand like this kind of portrayed. Right, not that they were licking their wounds from Ruby Ridge and then they get another tip and they just no, run they, off on it. They had, I think it was more than a well, year. No, and I think they undersold the inside informant work that they had going too. I yeah. feel like that was a... Because there was a, I think it was a UPS guy that was making a delivery and there was like a box he was delivering that had grenades in it and the box had kind of come open and like a grenade just falls out and is like rolling back and forth in the UPS truck and he's <laughs> having an OS moment as he's getting shake steering wheel going down <laughs> FM 740 and he tipped off the, the authorities and that's how they one of the many reasons they were on the, the radar. So, one episode to go. One to go. We're, this we're is the big in the one. home stretch. We, this is, is going to be the hottest one yet, I think. <sighs> Sorry, I've been playing on that one the whole episode. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it's going to be... I think it's going to be kind of a tough watch. Yeah, the the even just seeing from the previews with the kids in there, man, I, it's going to be hard to watch, but that's what happened. So, I mean, this is not... We knew how this would end. We we uh, we've had six episodes to prepare. I Dave agree. has been he's has fingers crossed for the <laughs> all the kids come out on the go karts and <laughs> live happily ever after. But that's not uh that's that's not how this ends. Unfortunately, no. Two weeks from now, two year anniversary. So we might have to do something. Might have to have a special guest. We'll have to do something special, but then we'll package sometime down the road in March. Almost said Columbine because I've got it on the brain. Waco Conspiracy Talk. That's its own episode. I've been in a cave for 40 days. Only a spark to light my way. I want to give out. I want to give in. This is our crime. 